Good morning. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, just a quick introduction. Uh, my name is Mark Hoff, and uh, my wife uh, Joy is here with us. We have two children. Katrina is eight, and Caleb is five, um, and we are grateful um, for this church and the many years that they have uh, supported Bahio Christian Mission. We want to um, just thank you, each one of you, for your prayers and your support. The last couple of months have kind of been a crazy ride, wouldn't you agree? We were in the United States when Honduras closed its borders due to COVID and the situation that it has brought across. And there is some pretty uh, strict restrictions that are happening here. Uh, but in Honduras, they're even uh, stronger in attempt to control the spread as the medical system is overrun and many, many are suffering. So we, as we are here, continue to pray for our Honduran brothers and sisters, as well as wisdom and guidance as we plan our return home next month. Now, Bahia Christian Mission uh, exists to equip God's people to spread his word. And you may remember that in the years past, we've had a Bible institute where we've trained and educated uh, local pastors. We later educated local church leaders in training seminars that were held on site at their churches. Um, In addition to education, we've also focused on empowering the local pastors through family pastor retreats, quarterly meetings, deepening our relationship with them uh, in order to be a safe place and encouragement for them and for their families. We also hold a place in our heart for other missionaries and we seek to encourage them as many of them face cultural and ministerial challenges. We've helped with retreats, we've made ourselves available for practical and emotional uh, needs But as we continue on with the focus of equipping Honduran leaders, we see a natural progression to help leaders find a way to engage their local communities better. Later in my message, I'll share the exciting new step God has given us as we continue to work in Honduras. We have a video that gives a great overview of this new project in the city of Comayagua and what it means for the Christian church in Honduras. We'd love to share that with you. Uh, I know that uh, it's not um, able to be displayed at this moment over um, the radio, but we want to encourage you to continue to pray for that work, that ministry in the future. As uh, we begin the sermon this morning, uh, let me uh, just lead us in prayer, and ask the Lord uh, to bless our time together. Father God, we are grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share from your word, and I just uh, pray that you will use my words and my heart, direct them and guide them uh, to be able to encourage uh, our brothers and sisters in this area, in Paxton, and just we're just grateful for all that you have led us through, and all that you are and who you are in our lives. We thank you for your son and for his sacrifice for each of us. In Jesus Christ, amen. 
So I heard a story, as all good sermons should begin. I heard a story about a priest, a minister, and a rabbi. And they wanted to see who was best at their job. So each of them go into the woods to find a bear, and they attempt to convert it. Later, when they get together, the priest begins proudly. When I found the bear, I read to him from the catechism, and I sprinkled holy water, and next week is going to be his first communion. The minister says, I found a bear by the stream, and I preached God's holy word, and the bear was so mesmerized that he let me baptize him. Then they both looked down at the rabbi, who was lying on a gurney in a body cast. Looking back, he says, maybe I shouldn't have started with the circumcision. You see, God has given us each a mission, that is, to bring people to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. For many of us, this can be as intimidating as trying to convert a bear. But it doesn't need to be. When we consider all we have received from Jesus, we should be driven to want to share that with others. Psalm 78.4 reads, We will not hide them, hide them for, from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Sharing Christ with others is known as evangelism. One who does it is an evangelist. The book, The Day America Told the Truth, ranks the integrity and honesty of 73 different positions. Americans ranked the tele-evangelist third from the bottom. Lower than lawyers, car salesmen, and even prostitutes. The only ones that ranked lower from the televangelists were the drug dealers and organized crime members. Just the term evangelism brings up extreme emotions and maybe stirs skepticism. For believers, the thought of evangelism brings up two emotions, guilt and fear. Most believers realize we should be more involved in helping other people know about Jesus, but we don't, and it makes us feel guilty. It also brings a feeling of fear. I'd like to do it, but I don't want to mess up. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I push too hard? What if I'm offensive? What if I go out and say or do something silly and then people call me a hypocrite? And so lots of us are afraid to share our faith. Most of us feel incredibly insecure about sharing our faith, but we need to be intentional we need to increase our sense of urgency. I have the blessing of working with a young man. His name is Ramon. In Honduras, and I've worked with him a number of years, mentoring, mentoring him as we prepare for this new project in ministry. And one of his gifts is the gift of evangelism. Now, I don't know how somebody does this. It's not my best gift. Mine is more organization and administrative. Um, administrative, But Ramon will just stay outside perhaps when 
when I pull up with a load full of something in the truck and I go inside to do something in a place of business, he would stay outside. And before you know it, when I come out, he's sitting there talking to whoever's around about Jesus. It might be the guy trying to sell bubble gum at the corner or chips, or it might be the guard that's watching over the business. Um, whoever it might be, there's Ramon. And he's busy trying to share Jesus with him. Now, it's definitely a gift that Ramon has. It's something that he is great at. And one of the reasons that I am so encouraged to work with him and to plant a new church in Komayawa. But if you, like sometimes I do, feel a little insecure or hesitant in sharing Christ, I want to tell you about some unlikely evangelists of the Bible. They were not great scholars. In fact, they didn't even have their lives all together. The first one was a woman from Samaria. Why was she so unlikely? Well, she had three major strikes against her. To understand the setting, it's helpful to know that in their day, the Jewish men would wake up and they would pray each morning. God in heaven, thank you that I was not born a woman. Thank you that I was not born a Samaritan. Thank you that I was not born a dog. Wow, that is a horrible prayer. But it gives you a window into some of the attitudes at this time. And she, the woman from Samaria, was two of those. First, she was a Samaritan. There was a deep racial prejudice against Samaritans in that day. They were seen as second class. Second, she was a woman. And in that day, the women were not thought of very highly. Her third problem was that she was immoral. Most think that this would disqualify her from ever being used by God, but it didn't. You see this? One day, this woman went to draw a well, I'm sorry, to draw some water from a well, and she encountered Jesus. The Jewish man began to talk to her, and she was shocked. And I'll kind of narrate this, the conversation between the Samaritan woman in in modern um, language. But the Jewish man began to talk to her, and she was shocked. She said, why would you talk to somebody like me? And Jesus said, would you please give me some water? And she said, I can't believe we're having this conversation. And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for some water. And I'd give you the kind of living water so that you'd never be thirsty again. And she was intrigued because he was being respectful to her and offering her something. Jesus said, go get your husband. She said, well, I don't even have a husband. And Jesus replied, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the guy that you're living with right now isn't your husband either. And all of a sudden, she goes ballistics. How do you know this? You must be a prophet. Then she said, we've been told that there's one who's to become, to come in the future, who's going to be the Messiah, the Savior. Jesus says, you're talking to him right now. All of a sudden, when she recognizes this, this is what she did. Reading from John four twenty-eight to 30. So the woman left her water jar 
and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. All she said were these three key words. Come and see. Come and check out this Jesus for yourself. As we read in the story, we discover that many of the Samaritans believed because she brought them to Jesus. John 4, 39 through 42 says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. So the Samaritans, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you've said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Many people came to believe simply because she invited them to come and see Jesus. She introduced Jesus to them so that they could have their own experience with him. Come and see. The Samaritan woman teaches us that sometimes all you have to do is invite someone to see what God is doing and leave it to him to work in their lives. Another unlikely evangelist in the Bible is a guy who was born blind. The guy lived in darkness from childhood through his teenage years and on into adulthood. One day he encounters Jesus and Jesus reaches down and makes some mud with his spit and puts it on these guy's eyes and then tells him to go wash himself in this pool. When he does, he opens his eyes and he can see for the first time ever colors, shapes, lights, birds, clouds, people. He was thrilled. He was healed. But when the doubting Pharisees questioned the man and pressed him to say that Jesus was a sinner, the blind man simply simply tells his story. John 9, 25 records it. He's answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. The man testified and simply said, my life is different because of what Jesus did. He wasn't an expert, just a guy with a story. Now also, do you remember the demon-filled man Jesus healed? There were so many demons dwelling in him that he said that his name was Legion. Jesus cast out the demons into a herd of pigs that then ran down into the lake and drowned. The man, freed from the demons who had plagued him, begged to go with Jesus. Jesus instructed, Luke eight thirty nine, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming through the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. What did he do? He told his story. Whatever your story is, tell of the wondrous works of Jesus in your life. Psalm 105.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. 
I realize that most stories are not fairy tales. That our lives are riddled with problems and trials, such as a dreadful diagnosis, a loss of a child, a broken marriage, infertility, or even an international health crisis. But let's not skip over telling those part of our story as well. Remember that most of the time God has placed those trials in our lives. It is so that we can relate to others that are going through similar things. As you tell your story, consider the various contexts in which you're sharing the Lord. Whether it is work or school or errands or your community life or your family, get-togethers, whatever it is, realize the context and adjust appropriately. Sometimes we have to begin with people's needs. Like Jesus began with the Samaritan woman by offering water, by healing the blind man's sight, by casting out the demons, the demoniacs, demons. Evangelism can begin by meeting some basic needs. Food, water, medical help, friendships, creating a sense of belonging. It can begin by meeting a person in their crisis and showing them Christ through the storm. It can be gently and lovingly guiding a person to see the effects of their sin and the power that Christ has had in your life to help you overcome the sin. When you choose to share from your story, what you choose to share from your story, I'm sorry, will be determined by the person's situation. For example, I will share of God's comfort when I tell of the time that we were held up at gunpoint and I watched my best friend die in the seat beside me. I might talk about that to someone who's recently lost a loved one. I might share of an eight-year struggle with infertility when talking to a young couple who's questioning God's goodness as they desperately seek to have children. I might talk of God's faithfulness during the crossroads of my life as I have a conversation with a young person who might be struggling to choose his career and educational path. When speaking to a man full of guilt from a sinful hold in his life, I would share how God has faithfully pursued me each time I have drifted from him in my personal life. Look for opportunities to share what God has done and what he is doing in your life. We have seen from the Samaritan woman that we can simply invite others to come and see. Come and see Jesus. Experience him. And we see from the blind man and the demon-possessed man examples of the power of just sharing our story, what Christ has done in us. But you may be thinking, I'm just not sure I can do that. It's not that easy. God doesn't expect us to do it on our own. When Jesus gave the Great Commission to go and make disciples, he said, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. Before his ascension into heaven, Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
Now there's an excellent example of the Holy Spirit being with us and in us. And that it comes from Acts 4.8. When we are told that Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit. Even though they were fishermen by trade. Verse 13 says, as they were being questioned. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Peter and John were unlikely evangelists. But even the court officials couldn't mistake the fact that these two had been with Jesus. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The officials had nothing to charge the disciples with. So they commanded them just to stop teaching and speaking in Jesus' name. And Peter and John's response came in Acts 4.20. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They had to tell their story. They couldn't help themselves. They had been with Jesus and had received the incredible gift of his love, forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit. And they just had to share it with others. Let the Holy Spirit guide you as you strive to be obedient and complete the mission God has given each of us. Sometimes opportunities to share our faith come our way and we simply have to have our eyes and hearts open to respond with our story. Other times, we have to be more intentional. We have to create environments where we can share our story or we have to invite others to come and see what can happen. We have sought the Lord for many years as to if we are and where to plant a church in the country of Honduras. Through prayer, God led our hearts to the city of Comayagua. Now, Comayagua is going to be the future location of the national's capital airport. Prayerfully, the man that I've been mentoring that I mentioned before, Ramon, and I have made several trips to Comayagua to seek the Lord for direction. We sought advice from locals in the area and focused our efforts. Then, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, Ramon and I have found the right place to engage a future community and develop a church. As we look ahead at the work in Kuomayawa, we are prayerfully considering how to create connection points into the community to provide a place where we can say, come and see. Where believers can share their stories with unbelievers. Where we can focus on a socioeconomic class that many of the Christian churches in Honduras have not considered. Where we can examine where people are and how to connect with them. We have prayed about how we connect with all age groups of a family. Our target, the middle class, often found drinking coffee with friends or having a meeting with someone. They can be taking a break from their busy schedules. So we're considering opening a coffee shop or a small restaurant to make a connection point and to begin specific evangelistic relationships. Soccer is also a huge part of the culture. So we plan on building an arena soccer field or a futsal court, as it may be better known, to get to know the young people in the community and build 
and uh, trust with them. Families need a safe place to bring their children. So we desire to develop a community playground to reach out to parents and children and build bridges into their lives. What about you? Do you have that sense of urgency to share the gift of God's grace with your neighbors, the people you run into casually or the people that you see on a regular basis? What is your story? What has Jesus done for you? Look for opportunities to share your story. Invite others to come and see Jesus and experience him. Seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit as you look for ways to connect with people and bring them to Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunities that you give us day to day to connect with people, to bring people to Jesus. Lord, help us not to miss those. Help us to pray to you to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, to seek those opportunities and to take advantage of them. We know that we are not perfect. We know that in many ways we feel fear and and guilt for the times that we haven't. Lord, help us press on to the next day and show us those opportunities. Help us to know that we would be wrong to not share Jesus. It would almost be like hatred to someone to know that we have the hope, the everlasting hope of Jesus Christ in our lives, and yet we are withholding it from somebody. Give us that urgency. Give us that opportunity that they may be said that it may be said of us that they told their story and they invited us to come and see thank you thank you for the opportunity to be here today these things we give you praise in Jesus name amen